0: Are you tired all the time? Is your wife complaining you can't get it up? Morning wood, gone. Feeling a little depressed, are we? Well, you might need more testosterone. How's that?
1: <laughs> oh, You sound like a softie. You definitely sound like you need testosterone in that.
0: Are you tired all the time? Is your wife complaining you can't get it up? Morning wood, gone. Feeling a little depressed, are we? Well, you might need testosterone.
1: Now you sound like you have too much testosterone and you're angry.
0: Well, how do I want to do it?
1: Are you tired all the time?
0: Are you tired all the time? No, I don't want to be serious.
1: No, it's just a question. You don't have to be serious.
0: Are you tired all the time? Is your wife complaining you can't get it up? Morning wood? Gone? Feeling a little depressed, are we? Well, you might need testosterone.
1: There you go.
0: All right. All right. Welcome to the Eat Right Nutrition Podcast, where we partner with experts in the health, wellness, and nutrition field to deliver you an excellent variety of content based on real science, real facts, and real food. I'm your host, Derone. And I'm Nicole. Today, episode two, we're going to be talking about testosterone. How you doing? Great. So testosterone is one of my favorite topics. Let's talk about it. Let's get to All it. All right.
1: You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna lead the testosterone way today. I learned a lot about testosterone from you, so everything I've learned, well, maybe not everything, let's say most of what I learned about testosterone has been from you, so I'm looking forward to having this conversation today. All right, let's give it a shot.
0: I've taught you everything you know about men, though.
1: You definitely taught me about testosterone in men, for sure, but men in general, honestly, that's just a complicated subject. That's a whole nother podcast.
0: All right. So testosterone, testosterone is what makes men, men. Uh, And what I mean by that is it's that male drive, that instinctual drive. It's what helps men to be leaner and stronger and build more mass, a significant more mass than women do. It's the big difference between men and women. Women have more estrogen and less testosterone. Men have more testosterone and less estrogen. It's the hunter in males that drives them to be essentially men. So today I want to talk to you about the importance of this hormone, uh, what effects this hormone has on your body, and basically how to optimize the hormone, right? Talk a little bit about low testosterone, some of the potential causes. Uh, We'll talk about like lab work of testosterone.
1: Okay, so testosterone is what makes, put some questions like this. So Testosterone is what makes men, men. And in what capacity?
0: Um, yeah. So testosterone is responsible for male sex drive.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Testosterone is responsible for uh, red blood cell production. It's responsible for sperm production. It's, mm-hmm. produ- it's uh, responsible for mental acuity, right? If you've got lower testosterone uh, you might be feeling some, uh, mental fatigue, some poor concentration, a little bit of that kind of brain fog, we'll call it, put it in quotes, mm-hmm. uh, decreased memory, decreased stamina, uh, decreased uh, strength. And uh, it helps to build muscle. Men have the capability to build a significantly amount more lean mass than women can, right? So in that sense, the fact that women lack testosterone or have less testosterone, that's where women are like, oh, I hate men. Like they're always able to get leaner so much faster and build lean muscle. Right. And that's really the big difference between men and women is women do have testosterone and it's very important for women to have testosterone. They have a lot a significantly lower testosterone. So it's the testosterone to estrogen ratio that really differs from men to women. Women have higher estrogen, lower testosterone. Men have higher testosterone, lower estrogen.
1: So both men and women have testosterone and estrogen. It's just the balance of the two that makes us different. Exactly.
0: Now, you know, many people think uh, when we talk about things like testosterone, they they when we talk about steroids, uh, steroids, people think of like, oh, well, you know, you just inject steroids and that's what you take. But there's actually a classification of hormones called steroid hormones. Uh, testosterone being one of them, progesterone, estrogen, and these hormones are all derived from cholesterol. So it starts with cholesterol that your body manufactures in the liver. And then from there, cholesterol will go through a cycle of converting into progesterone, estrogen, testosterone. The difference in the conversion is going to depend whether you're a male or a female. Gotcha. So men will convert to more testosterone. Women will convert to more estrogen, progesterone.
1: Got it. Well, that makes sense.
0: Well, just like birth control, right? Birth control is usually a form of, Nicole, you would know, um, either estrogen, progesterone, right? Some kind Mm -hmm. of combination of things Yep. that's essentially supplementing with a steroid hormone.
1: You got it. And that's one of the reasons why women that take birth control will sometimes experience low testosterone. Because it throws the balance of those two hormones out of whack.
0: And that will greatly affect women's health and wellness.
1: Right. So in terms of weight gain, a lot of women will gain weight going on birth control pills. Not everyone. Everybody's different. And the dose of those hormones can be different. But most women that I've ever experienced that have gone on birth control pills will experience some type of weight gain. A lot of it is water, but it is because of that imbalance in those hormones that can create that. And they also will experience, um, a difficult time with their libido as well. Yeah.
0: Fat storage, right? So the biggest thing, the difference between men and women naturally is women store more fat. Men tend to not really, right? They build more muscle. They're more metabolically active. If you, if you hold more muscle mass, you're more, you're burning more calories throughout the day, just holding muscle mass.
1: Right. And so you and I have talked about this before, the differences of where men and women store body fat. Like for females, we tend to have it more in the lower body and the abdominal area. Um, for men with testosterone issues, where would they be storing their body fat primarily?
0: In the man section.
1: Yeah. Like that bare belly type look.
0: Yeah. So let's get into a little bit of numbers here. Roughly about 40% of men ages 45 and up have low testosterone. And it seems from the research and the trending data that we have is that that number seems to be increasing over time. And the funny thing that I find that I would question that I don't necessarily have the answer to now, how many men under 40 or under 45 actually have less, less or lower testosterone levels? I would argue that it's probably higher. The I think issue, so too. The issue with data like that is How many times do you go to the doctor and the doctor will by default check your hormone levels? Right. It's something that you have to ask for. When you go to the doctor, they'll do, your lipid panel. They'll do your cholesterol, your HDL, your LDL, your VLDL. They'll do your blood sugar. They might do nowadays, they're more inclined to do vitamin D, B12. Mm -hmm. They'll do uh, liver enzymes. They'll do kidney. So they'll do creatinine, bun creatinine ratio, things like that. But that's where it stops. They don't generally do hormone testing. Hormone testing is usually more expensive for your doctor to do and it's not something unless you're complaining about symptoms
1: right i was just going to say that
0: that they'll check and i mean how many people under the age of 45 are really you know really getting going those to the doctors checked?
1: for something like well that's the thing right if you most people go to the doctor when they're sick or when the when the symptoms or the complaints are so um uncomfortable you know they'll wait till it's really uncomfortable till they go to the doctor i mean most people don't go to the doctor if they have low libido and Most people, men and women, I think, will go to the doctor until they're really experiencing some more than one symptom, you know, like multiple things that are happening before they'll actually go and ask their doctor.
0: Right. So I would say men should probably get their testosterone checked at the very least annually. Yeah. Yeah um so lab work is kind of complicated when it comes to testosterone for men and what i'll say is your range is i'll kind of round it off anywhere from 300 to 1100 right just to give you kind of round even numbers Mm -hmm. give or take so a range from 300 to 1100 is a huge huge range
1: yeah for sure
0: part of the reason why it's so complicated is because men operate optimally at different ranges. So let's Mm -hmm. say you go to your doctor. In order to properly diagnose low testosterone, we got to kind of know what your norm is. Part of the problem is that when you go to your doctor, you're not really checking your testosterone on a regular basis if you're under the age of 40 and you don't present with any symptoms. Right. What I say is go to your doctor and get your testosterone checked and let's figure out how we can optimize that testosterone.
1: So you're saying go to get a baseline so that you have at least some idea of where you normally are at, correct?
0: You just get it checked every so often, every six months to a year. Okay. Let's see where you're at. And then let's see if we can optimize that. Right. So take the proper steps to try to optimize it and see if your levels change.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Now, one of the things that is super, super important is when you're getting testosterone checked. You don't want to go to the doctor's office at three o'clock in the afternoon and check your test level. The reason why you don't want to do that is because testosterone is highest in the morning because testosterone is a hormone that's predominantly produced at night when you're sleeping.
1: Interesting. So see now from the female side of things, when we talk about testing female hormones, it's the same thing. A female goes through a cycle, right? Our menstrual cycle. So testing one time in the month to find out if your hormones are, where your hormones are, can be really confusing If you're trying to figure out if something is off, like a lot of the times you have to go multiple times during your cycle to make sure that the cycle itself, the levels are optimal at each of the different points of your cycle. So it's interesting that for a man, it would be very similar in terms of when you test it, I guess.
0: Well, so for women, it's more along the lines of testing at certain times of the month.
1: Right. And you're saying for men, it's important to test at a certain time of the day.
0: Absolutely. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah. So what you'll find is that your testosterone levels are the highest in the morning, and then they start to taper off later on in the day. Now, if you get a it, if you get in a workout, that's going to affect your testosterone levels as well throughout the day, mm-hmm. and we'll discuss that in further. Um, but okay, generally... wait. So then,
1: let me ask you this: So is that why men have morning wood because their testosterone is highest in the morning?
0: You know what? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> because well, you would
1: think that makes sense, though, right?
0: It does, but there's other factors in that as well. There's also estrogen levels and and different things that play into the morning wood piece.
1: Got it. So you're not going to let me talk anymore about the morning wood.
0: I'm not going to let you talk anymore about wood. Okay. Okay. So (laughs) um, morning wood gone. But um, now it's important the way that you're looking at your testosterone, because when you go to your doctor, you're going to check your testosterone and there's going to be a couple of things that you're going to be looking at. You're going to be looking at total testosterone, which is like we said, that's that range anywhere between 300 and 1100. Um, You want to see total testosterone, but what's super important is that you're also seeing free testosterone, testosterone bound to albumin. So it's going to say testosterone. Testosterone, albumin, uh, and then also testosterone bound to something called sex hormone binding globulin.
1: Got it. So, so there's more than just one overall test.
0: Yes, and it's not that the testosterone is different. It's just more so is what is the testosterone bound to? So free testosterone is essentially looking at usable testosterone by the body, and testosterone plus albumin. Some of it you're going to absorb, some of it not. Uh, it's going to be less bioavailable is what the term that we use. And uh, testosterone plus sex hormone binding globulin, just think of it as basically useless. If it's bound to sex hormone binding globulin, you're not going to absorb it, you're not going to use it. So part of the thing is not only what is my total testosterone, but how much free testosterone do I have? Which typically on average, your free testosterone would be about 40% of your total testosterone.
1: So let's talk about some of the lifestyle components to optimizing your testosterone. Like what do men need to do and focus on to optimize their testosterone on a daily basis.
0: Let's cut into an ad and then we'll get into what to do. All right, we're back. Nicole. Yes. What was your question again?
1: My question is what are some of the lifestyle factors that a male needs to pay attention to in order to optimize his testosterone?
0: First and foremost, most important. Mhm sleep
1: 100 percent,
0: 100 percent,
1: 100 percent. and why is sleep the most or one of the most important factors of optimizing testosterone
0: well so like we said we opened up with testosterone is highest in the morning because it's predominantly produced when you're sleeping uh testosterone and growth hormone are predominantly produced when you're sleeping and it's not just the number of hours that you sleep it's also the quality of your sleep so quantity and quality so if i'm working with somebody One of the first questions that I ask is, how many hours of sleep are you getting and how do you feel when you wake up in the morning?
1: Mm -hmm. So you're talking sleep hygiene as well.
0: Right. So we can get into things on sleep hygiene, uh, but what I'll also do is while we're working on sleep hygiene, I'll say, hey, here's like an arsenal of different supplements that you can take and here's why. So we'll get into that. Let's first touch up on the sleep hygiene component. Okay. So how do we get to bed at a reasonable time? First thing is we need to get in a habit of getting to bed at the same time every day. Mm -hmm. Second thing we need to do is in order to do that, we need to make sure that our exposure to light is decreased as we're approaching bedtime. Mm -hmm. So if you're somebody that works late and is on your computer and is on your phone, try and figure out, try and work your schedule in a different way. If you're somebody who's got the TV on and you're falling asleep to the TV. Yeah. You ever have a, uh, kind of a side note. You ever have a time where I remember doing this. So I'm just going to put it out there. I remember sleeping and I remember dreaming about Joel Olstein. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, why am I dreaming about Joel Olstein? I woke up in the middle of the night. I was having a dream. I don't know. We were on like some sabbatical. We were in like Africa or something. And, <laughs> um, the, Joel Olstein was in my dream and I woke up in the middle of the night and Joel Olstein was on the TV. So no way it goes into your, your sleep.
1: Yeah. And,
0: um, you don't want to fall asleep. You're not going to get good quality sleep if your TV's on.
1: Yeah. I agree so with that.
0: I, I say just don't have a TV in the, I don't have a TV in the bedroom
1: anymore. I know. This was like, go I, I back think years that's ago. a, yeah, that's a big one. One, no TV Two, Um, I think the phone replaces the TV you know, people bring their phones to bed to put next to their bedside for like an alarm in the morning. And so you're more apt to pick up the phone and, you know, check Instagram or whatever, even if it's not work.
0: So TV, don't have a TV in the bedroom. Uh, light, right? So light is the biggest thing. There's the, there are the studies coming out of Harvard that'll talk about light and exposure to light and what we found is that the blue light that's the reason why we say the tv the phone the laptop the computer the desktop whatever it is there's a lot of blue light involved in that and the blue light has the biggest effect on your sleep and the reason why is because of a hormone called melatonin so melatonin is a hormone that's produced in response to light it's think about if we didn't have lights The sun goes up, we wake up, the sun goes down, melatonin, the hormone is produced and we are calm and relaxed and it helps us to fall asleep. But if you're Mm -hmm. constantly exposed to light, your body's not efficiently producing melatonin in the way that it should. So that's why sleep hygiene is important to eliminate light as you're going to bed. So sleep with the lights off, any little bit of light, like from something that's plugged in, try and get rid of that. Maybe put a piece of tape over it or something like that. Try and just eliminate the stimulus of light because it's going to reduce the amount of melatonin that your body creates.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: So what's happening during sleep is a couple of things are happening during sleep. You have memory consolidation. You've got movement during your REM sleep. And the way your sleep works is you've got REM cycles and you've got deep sleep cycles. During those REM cycles is when you are consolidating memories. Uh, any type of movement, like if you're exercising and you just learned a new movement, let's say you're working with a personal trainer, you just learned how to squat. You just learned how to deadlift. Uh, one of the important things in terms of uh, consolidating that movement memory is to get adequate sleep and you'll be able to actually learn that exercise and that movement a lot faster, a lot more efficiently. So you come mm-hmm. in, your trainer's like, all right, awesome. Great job. You, you, you crushed this exercise. Now we can progress your workout and you can work a little bit harder. Uh, right. Your, Uh, Sleep also helps your cortisol regulation, which is super important. Cortisol also aids in thyroid function. Uh, If you've got a low thyroid, lowers your metabolism, you store more body fat. So you want to focus on that in terms of uh, from a sleep perspective.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh,
0: And during your deep sleep cycles is when you're producing the most growth hormone. So what's important, like I said, is that quality of sleep, because that quality of sleep is going to put you deeper into that deep sleep cycle. And you're going to get the most bang for your buck in terms of that Hormonal output. Yeah, it's
1: all about recovery, right?
0: All about recovery. <laughs> um, so now there's an exercise piece too in terms of sleep hygiene, mm-hmm. because exercising on a regular basis during the day, maybe not too close to bedtime, if you can, mm-hmm. uh, exercising helps you to fall asleep at night.
1: Hundred percent.
0: Yeah, if you ever notice, especially like during this time, COVID nineteen, people working out less frequently are having a harder time sleeping. Yeah. And part of the reason is because they're less physically active. So if you're more physically active, that's going to help you to fall asleep when you're supposed to 8, 9, 10 o'clock. If you're Nicole, you fall asleep at 6 p.m. But <laughs> I try to call her and it's just non, non, nope. Talk to you tomorrow.
1: Well, I need my sleep. We've talked about this. We've talked about this so much. I am definitely someone who needs at least eight hours. I mean, that's, that's when I feel my best.
0: So- I mean, so I'm like a set like seven hours my bare minimum, but I mean come on, you go to sleep at like eight thirty. I'm like, oh shit, I need Nicole and you're not around.
1: <laughs> I always respond first thing in the morning, which is the funny thing because I get up at like that's because I get up so early too, and you're usually asleep when I text you in the morning because you sleep a little later.
0: Yeah, so you respond while I'm t- dreaming. Yeah. <laughs> Um, So exercise. Now exercise, there's another piece to testosterone as well when it comes to exercise, because depending on the type of exercise that you're doing and how strenuous it is and and how much muscle tissue you're breaking down, Mm -hmm. that's going to have an effect on your testosterone production and your growth hormone production. So Mm -hmm. intensive exercise, things like squats and deadlifts, and even, you know, doing bicep curls, tricep extensions, anything that is muscle, um, Inducing or muscle stimulating things like that, those are going to affect the output of testosterone and growth hormone. Those are going to help to elevate testosterone and growth hormone. Now, your larger muscle groups are going to give you the most out of that workout. So, if you're doing heavy squats, heavy deadlifts, that's like full body, you're working a ton of muscles, you're going to get the greatest hormonal output from something like that. Uh, and the reason why you're getting at a cellular level what's happening and the reason why you're getting that from resistance training specifically is because resistance training forces uh dhea which is a hormone created in the body dhea converts then into testosterone at the cellular level so um testosterone is going to be created by dhea in that pathway through that through exercise resistance training. And it's funny because what we find is with uh, people like uh, cyclists and marathon runners is that they generally tend to have lower testosterone levels if they're not coupling it with resistance training. And you see that evident in their physiques, right? So somebody who is a marathon runner There's also a energy system kind of piece to it as well, right? You're burning more carbohydrates. You're burning more fuel. If there's more of a demand for carbohydrates and you run out of carbohydrates, your body will start to break down muscle tissue to create carbs that Mm -hmm. can happen. So that's also part of it. But another part of it is also the hormonal piece. You're producing less testosterone when you're constantly doing endurance training. So it's very important to get some resistance training in as well.
1: Balance is the key, right?
0: balance, do some cardio, do some resistance training. Now, listen, if you're an avid marathon runner, cyclist, like it just is what it is. But I've also known some of those athletes to be built as well because they focus on the, you don't just want to do one thing. You don't just want to be in one zone and just focus on, I just do strength training. Right. Um, Crossfitters are an example of people that do many different modalities. Mm -hmm. They do cardiovascular training, They do sprinting, they do endurance training, they do uh, gymnastics, a lot of core strength there. They'll do deadlifts, clean and jerks, Olympic lifting, all that stuff. Um, Now, with that, what we want to be careful of is with the exercise pieces, there's a delicate balance Mm -hmm. between overtraining and undertraining. So we said if you're not working out or you're not getting that resistance training in, do so because it will affect, positively affect your. Growth hormone output and your testosterone output. If you're that CrossFitter or that person that's like, I just can't miss a workout. I got to work out seven days a week, and it's got to be an intense workout all the time. That's gonna be that's gonna have a negative effect,
1: right? Just like if you lift heavy every single lift, or you don't incorpor- incorporate um, like a deload wor- week within a cycle of lifting, anything that's gonna just constantly pound your body, I guess, right, would be something that's too much.
0: Right. And if you're kind of new to exercise, you know, there's that, that methodology, that thought process of progressive overload is that Mm -hmm. you want to increase the load over a period of time, Mm -hmm. Uh, a ton of variables you can change, reps, sets, weight, et cetera, all that stuff. Right. Uh, But you want to make sure that you are gradually increasing the intensity and the load over a period of time. So it's just not too much for your body to handle, right? Overtraining is essentially... It's too much for your body to handle at that moment in time. Mm-hmm. Uh, overtraining is also undereating If you're not nourishing your body and you're overtraining for, for the amount of calories that you're eating or you're uh, not sleeping enough and you're, wor- you're getting a workout in after a night of not getting sleep, that would mm-hmm. probably be considered overtraining for the day.
1: Food is fuel, right? So if you're not eating enough to facilitate that workout on a consistent basis, which I think is a big point too um, then yeah, absolutely.
0: Right. And then there's a piece to, you know, I just want to take some time to kind of, while we're on the topic of exercise and we're talking about endurance training and we're talking about resistance training, I'm just mm-hmm. going to squash a myth real quick that, uh, mm-hmm. carbohydrates are needed after your resistance training workout.
1: Okay. Tell us about it.
0: So George Farah turned me on to this. And for anybody who doesn't know who George Farah is, he is a, he's a dietitian first and foremost. Uh, he's also one of the top bodybuilding coaches to me of all time. He coached uh, Kai Green, Dana Lynn Bailey. He's coached a lot of big names, a lot of big athletes. And he kind of turned me on to this. And what he shed light on was that a lot of the research that came into bodybuilding or into, let's say we call it hypertrophy training. A lot of the research that came into that came from cyclists and marathon runners. And what that research showed is when you're cycling and when you're marathon running, your primary source of energy, like I said, is going to be uh, carbohydrate. So you're depleting your glycogen. Now what that research says is, Hey, after your workout, you need to have some protein and some carbohydrates. Mm-hmm. And that's what people used as a staple for bodybuilding. The issue with that is that bodybuilders aren't completely fully depleting their glycogen. So there's no reason to restore carbohydrates into your liver or into your muscles you more so need protein. Now, one of the things that was brought up in that context is when you're consuming carbohydrates after your workout, like the demands are different from exercise to exercise. Right. Right. So when you have a endurance runner, you're not in the need for growth hormone. You're not even really producing growth hormone doing doing that. You're Mm -hmm. not in the need to build muscle. You're in the need to replenish carbohydrates. Mm -hmm. Now, when you're doing... Weight training, you're in the need afterwards to build muscle. When you're doing resistance training, your testosterone goes up and your growth hormone goes up. The issue with having carbohydrates after your workout is that when you eat carbohydrates, what happens? That Those carbs turn into sugar. Mm-hmm. Sugar enters your bloodstream. Your body releases insulin. Insulin is a counter-regulatory hormone to growth hormone. So when insulin is up, growth hormone goes down.
1: Okay, so you finish a lift and you're... Increasing your growth hormone during the lift, correct? And then you want to continue that by eating protein after your workout instead of a carbohydrate, which is going to decrease your growth hormone. Exactly. Okay.
0: So you want the effects from growth hormone. You don't want to blunt the release of growth hormone after your workout mm-hmm. by consuming carbohydrates. Mm-hmm. So, with that being said, after your workout, if you want to optimize your metabolic effects, just eat protein.
1: Right, which is why we recommend protein shakes primarily as a post-workout meal.
0: So have have some type of fast-digesting protein is fine. Or even sometimes, if you want to just go home, have right. So let's talk about primary sources of protein, which is something mm-hmm. that I often talk about. Uh, meat, fish, poultry, dairy, and egg. Right, those are the primary sources of protein. Yeah. Uh, so you want to have something like that, and dairy being a whey protein shake. Uh, if you're vegetarian, vegan, whatever, maybe do a plant-based protein. Love it. Uh, in addition to that, the other thing too is, you know, if while we're talking about hormones and we've talked about sleep, increasing growth hormone because growth hormone increases while you're sleeping. If you consume a ton of carbohydrates before you go to bed, that's also going to affect that because again, insulin is counter-regulatory to growth hormone.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Anything else habit-wise that we didn't touch up on in terms of you know, just lifestyle factors?
1: No, it, just uh, stress, sleep, food, and exercise. Those are our, our big four, right?
0: Food. So, on the food piece, in terms of uh, optimizing testosterone, you want to avoid, avoid inflammatory foods, right? And that's where the stress piece comes in as well. Mm-hmm. Because, on the stress piece, uh, stress causes inflammation in the body, and inflammation is detrimental to testosterone production. Yeah. So, we want to avoid inflammatory foods. Things that may lower testosterone are uh, diet high in refined sugar,
1: mm-hmm.
0: a diet high in refined carbohydrates. Mm-hmm. We do want to make sure that we are eating some carbohydrates because that will have an effect on your uh, testosterone production. Uh, we want to make sure that you're getting adequate. Fu- uh, I'm sorry. We want to make sure that you're getting adequate fat intake. We also want to make sure that you're getting the right type of fat. Mm-hmm. Uh, Something that's super important that I tell clients is consuming adequate omega three fatty acids. Uh, what happens in our diet is that we don't consume enough fat mm-hmm. or enough I'm sorry, what happens in our diet is that we consume too many polyunsaturated fats in the form of omega six fatty acids, which are pro-inflammatory, and we don't we don't consume enough omega three fatty threes. acids, which are anti-inflammatory. Yeah. So you just want to do what you can to reduce inflammation. That's pretty much it um, on a, from a supplement standpoint. Like we talked about last week with Bridget, your vitamin D3 is going to be important. Uh, the reason why vitamin D3 is super important is because it goes back to your sleep. We've heard of tryptophan, right?
1: Yeah, that's the turkey on Thanksgiving when I get tired after eating turkey. Isn't right. that in Turkey?
0: Yeah, so you consume turkey. Turkey is high <laughs> in the amino acid tryptophan. Although, arguably, I'd say you probably just fall into a food coma and it's not so much about the tryptophan. The reason why it's not so much about the tryptophan is because your body has to convert tryptophan into what's called five hydroxy tryptophan. Mm-hmm. And it will basically convert what it needs. And then, you know, the conversion is not that great. So, five hydroxy tryptophan converts then into serotonin. Now, if you're somebody who, let's say, suffers from low testosterone, your mood is down, you're depressed. It's going to be important for serotonin because serotonin makes you happy. It makes you feel good. Yep. Now, D3 is going to be important for the conversion from 5-HTP into serotonin, right? So you eat turkey, it's high in tryptophan, tryptophan tryptophan converts into 5-hydroxy tryptophan, which vitamin D is needed to convert that then into serotonin. Got it. Now, from a sleep standpoint, why 5 HTP is important is because when you take 5 HTP, it's going to convert into serotonin. But then the end product after it converts into serotonin is melatonin, right? So we talked about melatonin production in response to light. Right. So 5 hydroxy tryptophan will help your body to create more melatonin
1: so that you sleep better.
0: Yes. Now, melatonin is also something from a supplement standpoint that I recommend people take. Yeah. But only for only at a low dose for a short period of time.
1: So the goal for that would be for it to naturally occur in their body. So you do it for a short period of time to get them back up to a normal production and then you take them off. Is that what you're saying?
0: You do it for a period of time while you're working on sleep hygiene and turning off the lights and things like that.
1: Right, so that it naturally then happens. So that you on can naturally
0: own. produce it. Now, you want right. to take a low dose. I've seen people take 10 milligrams for like mm-hmm. a year straight. And a 10 milligrams is a lot. You want to take more of a dose like more similar to what your body's producing, which will vary from person to person, but let's say 300 micrograms. Okay. So, I mean, I don't know how many times bigger that is. I was never good at math. <laughs> but 300 micrograms versus milligrams
1: is a big difference.
0: Is a huge versus even <laughs> 1 milligram. Right, One milligram is three, four, almost four, like it's like three and a half times what you'd be taking at 300 micrograms. Now there's people taking 10 milligrams.
1: Yeah. And what you're saying is it's a temporary way. It's a temporary solution. So taking it at a small dose just so that you can start to that process of getting sleep and recovering so that your body and while you're working on your sleep hygiene and how early you go to bed and take, turning off all the light and all those natural things. And then once that becomes a habit and you're naturally doing that as part of your your plan, then you're taking them off so that they don't have to take it anymore and they can you know live happily in this new lifestyle choice.
0: Yeah, and the other thing to note about the melatonin is that melatonin is a hormone that's produced in your body. If you're taking an, an right. exogenous hormone, which means... I'm supplementing with a hormone that my body already makes. It's exogenous versus endogenous, right? Mm -hmm. If you take melatonin for a long period of time, you're shutting down your body's natural production. And we're not trying to do that. We're trying to increase your body's natural production of the hormone melatonin. So anywhere from one to three months, taking a low dose of melatonin is okay. But -hmm. beyond that three-month mark, I never really recommend that people take that further.
1: Right, right. So that's what you and I talk about all the time in terms of building a good sleep hygiene and changing the behaviors and making that kind of a natural part of your lifestyle so that you're not dependent on these, that type of supplement, like a melatonin supplement, right?
0: Exactly. In regards to, yeah, whatever. Anyway, <laughs> um, so there's melatonin. Now, there's also magnesium. Actually, mm-hmm. forget magnesium. Let me talk about, let me go down the lines of things that help you to fall asleep. Okay. So 5-HTP, vitamin D3, because it's important for the conversion. So if your vitamin D levels are low, it's important to know at what dosage you need vitamin D to make sure that you're sustaining good, healthy vitamin D levels. Uh, Your 5-HTP, you can supplement with 5-HTP. That's going to turn into melatonin, help your body produce it. Um, Your melatonin is going to help you to fall asleep. A valerian root is an herb, also helps you to fall asleep. So that's something that you can use in your arsenal uh, Mm -hmm. while you're working on those sleep behaviors. And that's what we call sleep hygiene. Mm -hmm. If you're having trouble staying asleep, you're interrupting your deep sleep. So if you're having trouble staying asleep, I usually recommend to do a magnesium supplement. Mm hmm now the type of magnesium is very important because typically when you go to the supermarket or you go to cvs or you go to walgreens or wherever you're going you'll mostly find magnesium oxide which has more of a laxative effect what you want is a magnesium glycinate and you want or a magnesium malate i for sleeping purposes i opt towards magnesium glycinate because it's bound to the amino acid glycine which has a sedative effect so magnesium
1: Magnesium is my favorite. I've been taking it as part of my, even part of my gut healing because it helps me sleep, which when you sleep, your gut functions better. You can absorb food better. It's just a whole cycle of excitement. (laughs) It's epic, Daron.
0: It's epic. Uh, and magnesium is something that we're typically deficient in. Now, listen, magnesium has 300 metabolic functions in the body. It's super important for a lot of things. And magnesium is something that we're deficient in because of farming. Mm -hmm. Uh, what I've learned about magnesium is magnesium comes from soil. So you'll find it in a lot of leafy green foods. Mm -hmm. Uh, you'll find it in kale, spinach, things of that sort. But the issue is two issues, two (laughs) issues. One, the bioavailability of that uh so in certain foods you've got things like phytates and oxalates that are bound to certain minerals that make them hard to absorb yep uh and in addition to that over farming affects the amount of magnesium taken from the soil Yep. so what happens in this country is anyone for anyone who's ever taken a history class probably has learned about the concept of crop rotation and Mm -hmm. the fact that you leave a portion of the soil to rejuvenate its minerals. Now the issue right. is that we over farm and we overproduce food, probably partly because of overpopulation and we just constantly have to push out food and use the soil. So
1: mm-hmm. the
0: soil is less mineral dense. So the foods that we're eating are lower in magnesium, which is what I think is part of the reason why many people are uh, deficient in magnesium. So magnesium super important to take, uh, either glycinate or malate is is going to be really what what I recommend in terms of taking magnesium. Um, GABA also is something that I'd recommend if you're having trouble falling asleep. The only issue with GABA is that what we find is in some people, it's not worth it to take more because your body regulates how much crosses into the blood brain barrier. Mm -hmm. So it's not really something that is going to necessarily work for everybody. Right. Your body's going to absorb what it needs and that's going to be the end of it. Right. Um. But that GABA, that valerian root, that melatonin, 5-HTP, that's going to help you to fall asleep. And then from the staying asleep aspect, if you're having trouble staying asleep, I usually say, okay, well, let's use a uh, magnesium supplement, supplement and usually it's probably going to be a glycinate.
1: Yeah. I, I think that's fantastic. But improved, um,
0: And in terms of outside of sleep, uh, we've got Zinc in terms of testosterone, the, right? Since we're on the topic of uh, testosterone, <laughs> um, zinc citrate seems to be the best form of zinc for this, and it's a it works as a uh, aromatase inhibitor. So mm-hmm. it basically blocks your body from converting into estrogen because if your estrogen is higher, you're set we're going back to the sex hormone binding globulin. Yep. estrogen drives up sex hormone binding globulin and and gives you less usable testosterone. Yeah. Right? Another thing interesting to note is if you're somebody that's got, as a male, and you're like above 20% body fat, you generally tend to produce, your fat cells tend to produce more estrogen. Yeah. So what happens is until you lean up, your body's going to automatically want to produce more estrogen. Mm -hmm. zinc will help with that blocking conversion into estrogen um but we really got to try and focus on leaning up so that we can produce less estrogen because like we said having more estrogen increases your sex hormone binding globulin which decreases the efficiency of the testosterone your total testosterone because you don't have as much free testosterone
1: right so again that cycle people i feel like sometimes people just focus on like the one aspect like i have low testosterone and that so they focus on increasing testosterone but they don't realize the cycle of things that lead up to the body's ability to increase testosterone all the things that you need to do we talk we've already talked a bunch about lifestyle but that's the most natural way you know and people need to make the prior make it a priority you know sleep getting their strength training in, eating the right foods. I mean, this is the stuff you and I talk with clients about so that before they even go to the doctors, they can change a lot of this stuff by just changing their lifestyle, correct?
0: Yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, But, you know, just just to kind of recap.
1: Yeah, let's go through the basics.
0: uh, If you want to Elevate your testosterone levels naturally. Now, what I'd recommend is if you go, if you go, go and get your, uh, your testosterone levels checked, and you're kind of on the low side, or your your free testosterone is kind of on the low side, and you're experiencing some symptoms, mm-hmm. uh, what I'd say is there are some natural things you could do, uh, food wise obviously. So we talked about the foods just now. You want to make sure that you're getting some resistance training in. You want to make sure that you're getting sleep. If you're not currently sleeping enough, supplementing with something, A, supplement with vitamin D3 so your body can convert more into melatonin. Uh, Take some 5-HTP. Take some melatonin at a very low dose. Mm -hmm. Melatonin, I don't recommend. I recommend anywhere from one to three months. And then I say, hey, stop using it and and make sure that you've worked on the time that you're taking the melatonin. Mm -hmm. You've worked on your sleep habits. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've gone to bed at the same time, you've worked your sleep hygiene, you have turned off the TV, you don't have a TV in the bedroom, you turn off the lights, you stop working at a certain time, that's going to be super important. Uh, but melatonin is something that you can use while you're working on that uh, sleep hygiene. Magnesium is going to help you to fall, uh, not fall asleep. Sorry. Magnesium is going to help you to stay asleep. Uh, valerian root, something that you can take and uh, GABA, which is GABA amino butyric acid, is something that you can consider supplementing with as well. Uh, in terms of testosterone and, and not aromatizing more into estrogen, zinc citrate is going to be something that you might want to take. You want to take a very low dose of that. You want to take, the the RDA for zinc is about 40 milligrams. I'm not sure where, where my head is at in terms of, is that enough? Is that not enough? Uh, but I wouldn't supplement with more than uh, you know, maybe anywhere between 20 and 40 milligrams is usually what I'd recommend for something like that. And uh, that's pretty much it. The m- most number one, most important takeaway is focus on your sleep hygiene.
1: Yeah. hundred percent. People underestimate what sleep can do to the body for healing and for growth and development.
0: Totally. Anything else to add, Nicole?
1: I don't think so. You answered all my questions on testosterone and that's for sure. Um, And I think everything that we talk about with clients in terms of, you know, I'm, you know, I like lifestyle changes. I'm a huge pusher of all of the things that you just mentioned, both for men and for women, um, or my male and female clients. Like you have to start with the basics. That's why I call them the basics. You have to make sure all of those things that we, we just talked about are a priority in your life, are balanced, and then you can move on to you know, other aspects if that stuff doesn't help because there are situations where that may be the case. Um, but I, I really work with clients to create lifestyle change so that they know that they're getting the most of some of these simple, I think they're simple things to change, but obviously that can, they can, they can be hard to do when life gets crazy and busy.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, from a coaching side of things, you definitely want to focus on, you know, a lot of that. Um, all right. So that concludes episode two, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. If you like this content and you want to hear more of it, click subscribe, share it with your friends and don't forget to follow us on Instagram at eat right nutrition. That's E-A-T-R-I-T-E right spelt like writing. Thank you very much.